Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford and I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you haven't checked out the Inside Scoop, I encourage you to go back and listen to some previous episodes because the Inside Scoop has turned into a wonderful podcast that's dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived somewhere else around the world and we've interviewed some wonderful parents coaches and even players about the youth soccer pathways that they experience in their country as a matter of fact next week we're going back to germany and we're digging even deeper into what competitive soccer is like for the typical um, youth soccer player in germany and how all there's how all of their divisions and academies and grassroots um um, youth soccer leagues work and it's a fascinating interview and i look forward to you guys listening to it on sunday and if you're not familiar with anytime soccer training really quickly anytime soccer training is a website that will host over 1,000 follow-along training videos covering all the major areas of individual skill development what does that mean it means it's the ultimate training companion for the parent coach and coach that wants a single one-stop platform of 100% follow-along videos for like juggling, ball mastery, dribbling, different various dribbling drills, two-cone drills, figure-eight drills, finishing drills, fitness, jump rope. We are trying to include everything imaginable in this application. And quite frankly, not only am I creating an application for something as something that will benefit you, your kids, and your family, my boys use it and I use it with them religiously. So if you haven't collect, collected your 50 free ball mastery and juggling videos, I encourage you to go to www.anytime-soccer.com um, to do so. Again, it's www.anytime-soccer.com. And if you like the tips that I'm sharing or the or the content I'm sharing, please um, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with friends um, and other players. Now on to the show. Today, I'm going to drop what I consider to be one of the most, if not the most, important uh, skill that youth soccer players should acquire very early on. Again, it's what I consider to be one of the most important skills um, in youth soccer. But the irony is, and I've been around this game for about 10 years. I'm not in any means a professional at all, but I've seen thousands of kids and hundreds of coaches in some capacity. And the irony is just no one that I see, or very few people, I should say, are teaching it. And and if they do mention it, because I've seen a couple coaches mention it, they're not they're not emphasizing it, and they definitely don't um, force force it upon the kids in their training environments. And this show is not about bashing coaches at all. As a matter of fact, I am a coach. It is, however, about providing nuanced insight to the parent trainers that that I feel is often um, overlooked in sort of your mainstream soccer um, uh, podcast or information outlets. And so 
Again, we're going to talk about what I consider to be the most important skill in youth soccer, yet one of the most under-emphasized or not taught, taught, taught skills to my amazement. And another thing before I jump into it that completely baffles me, and maybe it's because I'm looking at it from my point of view and my own experiences, is that when I share this tip with coaches, you know, and when I share it with, I guess, parents and, and players, they don't, it doesn't resonate with them. They don't, they tell me all these reasons why what I'm saying doesn't make sense, but rarely does people say, yeah, that makes sense. So I encourage you to write me and tell me that I'm a complete idiot and show me where, where I'm wrong, number one. And number two, if it doesn't resonate with you verbally, then check out the Anytime Soccer Training uh, Facebook group where I post, I'm going to post the ebook I wrote about it and I'm going to post videos to try to provide more examples and let's just discuss all right so now on to the show so again what i like to typically do before i just drop a tip right what i typically like to do is set it up give you the framework and the, the logic behind it because all of this information and all of this logic they go hand in hand because it's not always just about the soccer it's really about a way of thinking and, and working with your children in a way that doesn't drive them completely crazy. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do now. And I'm going to attempt to do it in a few different um, ways. So I just appreciate your patience and, you know, really try to work with me on this. Okay. So the first thing we got to um, reestablish is when I'm communicating to my boys or the kids I train, I really try my best to communicate to them in a way that's transparent and measurable. And so what that means is I try my best and I make mistakes a lot. So I don't get this right perfectly, but I try my best to use measurable um, uh, directions and Things I try to say things to them that they can measure and that's realistic instead of just giving them vague commands. So, for example, if I want them to, you know, speed up in the figure eight drill, and we talked about this in the previous episode, I've already counted and watched, and I know roughly how fast they can go. I know how many cones they can get to. So instead of me telling them, hey, you know, you got to go faster, which is going to frustrate them and faster actually doesn't you don't even know exactly what that means. Does that mean I need to move my feet faster, which is one form of fast, or do I need to travel linear faster? That's another form of fast. So in all fairness, they could be moving their feet faster, but moving forward slower or they could be moving their feet, I guess, tight, slower, but pushing the ball further. So instead of that, I'm I'm really telling them you need to get 16 you need to get around a cone 16 times for example or whatever your whatever your kids ability is so for my younger my older one is 16 or 17 times in a figure eight drill that's two feet apart and my younger one it's 10 times or 12 times in a figure eight drill that's two feet apart and if you don't have if you have no idea what i'm talking about please listen to the podcast where i talked about um positive constraints and then this will be hopefully really really clear okay so that's the first 
guiding principle. I'm always looking for ways to communicate to my sons and the kids that are trained in a way that's transparent, aligns our incentives, and it's really measurable for them and for me. And I came up with that because of my professional background, because I happen to be a management accountant by trade, and I talked about that as well in the previous episodes. And what we effectively do is try to create statistics and metrics so that organizations can measure their performance and they can distill a lot of information down into the metrics that matter and that we can actually influence or even change behavior based on the things that we measure, right? And what we don't do typically is have a bunch of, say, pep rallies every Monday or something trying to, you know, make the convince the employees to be motivated about coming to work. I mean, some of that happens and we try to create a culture of, of, you know, that kind of culture. But what we found, and I think most people probably will agree that, you know, at the end of the day, people want to know what they need to do. They want to have the tools to execute. And they want to know how you're going to, how you're going to measure it. And then, and what success looks like. Well, I try to apply those same principles to working with my sons on the pitch. And that really avoids a lot of the conflict that many parent trainers find themselves entangled in. Okay, so it's important to understand that that's the way I try to communicate to them in a way that's measurable and I try to align incentives and expectations. So now I'm going to throw a couple of examples at you and then we'll get into how those examples relate to the tip. So the first example is if I'm imagine that you're working with 10 kids and and we've all seen, let's say, the proverbial red light soccer drill where kids are dribbling and maybe you hold a you actually kids to dribble across the field and then you yell out red light and, and then they have to freeze and then green light. They have to go again. And yellow light. They have to go, but maybe they go pretty slow. And then I've seen some coaches, even myself, do blue light. And that means they have to turn around and go backwards or they have to change direction, okay? So we've seen that. And the purpose of that drill is really straightforward. You want the child to dribble and learn how to dribble, but in a way that they're looking up possibly and making sure they understand their um, surroundings and also that they're not kicking the ball so far, and this is probably the most important point, that they they can't stop, right? Well... But think about it for a second. If you told those 10 kids, hey, the goal is I want you guys to dribble and keep the ball close. And this is what I hear 99.999% of the time that I'm on a soccer pitch. That, again, is not what we talked about earlier. That's not measurable because what is close? Close to you may mean something different than me. Close to you could be two steps. Close to me could be one step. Close to somebody else could be no step. So it's not measurable. And it's also not, I don't know exactly what, or the child doesn't know exactly what my expectations are. So that's that's the first problem with just telling them to keep the ball close. I, what does that even mean? And then the second thing is, it's not consistent, right? So on Monday, they could do it this way, but on Wednesday, they could do it another way. And, and we don't know if it's like good, bad, are they improving or are they getting worse, right? Or are they staying the same? And we don't know if there's any intentionality there as well, right? 
So that leads me to another example. And this one is not even soccer related, but I just want to drop it because, again, I've gotten so much pushback from this particular tip that, I don't know, I just feel the need to really, really tee it up and give you guys perspective so that we can have a um, serious conversation about where, where I may be missing something. Okay, so let's assume that you're a buyer at Macy's or some department store and you've been sent out to buy some t-shirts for, for the company, right? And so you go and visit all the manufacturers in them. And the manufacturer that you like shows you a t-shirt and it has... And it's perfect. It's designed and has the specifications of exactly what you're looking for. You sent them the brief earlier and they came back to you with one T-shirt and it looks exactly like you want it. And so then you tell the um, buyer, not the buyer, you're the buyer, you tell the manufacturer, all right, that's great. I need you to produce a thousand of those and I actually need a rush order. Are you able to produce those in three days? Manufacturer says, no problem. All right. Manufacturer goes off. She comes back with a thousand T-shirts. You look at the T-shirts and you're like, oh, man, you got the thousand, right? That's good. But they don't none of them look the same. None of them look like the one you showed me the first time. In other words, they're not consistent. Some of them are slightly different size. Some of them have a slightly different cut. Some of them are slightly different colors, blah, blah, blah. They're not consistent. The you know, what I thought I was going to get was a thousand T-shirts that looked exactly like the one you showed me earlier. Well, this scenario that I'm telling you happens every day on every training uh, training um, environment and training practice that I have ever witnessed as a youth soccer parent and coach. And it is rarely... Um, Correct it, at least from what I can see in my area. And this show is not about bashing coaches. The coaches are great. I actually think it's not even something they can dig deep into in a team environment. But the bottom line is, in this example, the ch- children are bringing back shirts and they're, none of them are the same. And what does that mean in a youth soccer context? I can, If I lay out two cones in a, in a youth soccer practice 10 feet apart, and I ask a child to dribble from point A to point B and back to point A again and do that and do that and do that. I'm telling you, you watch any youth soccer practice and that child will not do it consistently. Maybe they'll dribble. Maybe they'll take five steps to dribble to point B the first time. And then to get back to point A, it might be two because they kick the ball and chase it. Or maybe it'll be 10, so they're kicking the ball, but it's and they're touching it, but they're doing it too slow. And then in, when they come back, it's five. There's no consistency. And that's and that might be what they do on Monday. And then Wednesday, you do the same drill, and it's going to look totally different again, right? And there's no consistency. And there's no way that the coach knows if there's any intentionality there, right? I mean, is the there's no measurable and then and then I don't believe that it's communicated or the drill is communicated to the child in a way that the expectations are crystal clear on what the coach is looking for right so now we we've teed up the problem which is there's a lack of consistency when executing ball mastery or dribbling drills or unimposed work and we've also teed up the, a communication problem with your child, which is, hey, if you want them to do something faster or slower or a certain way, you need to make sure that you can um, you can actually measure it. 
And then we've also teed up the fact that because the, you know, in most of these situations, they're not executing the drill consistently. It's very difficult for us to evaluate if the intentionality or the true control the child or youth soccer player has over the ball in, in doing whatever the drill is. Okay. And so now we have to think about, okay, how do we communicate to this group of people to get everybody on the same page quickly? Or how do we communicate to our child in a way that doesn't drive them crazy? And then how do we start honing in on, are they able to, to execute these drills consistently? And then that brings me to what I call one of the most important, um, one of the most important skills in youth soccer, right? And it's called, I call it the ability. And this is important. These terms are important. The ability to dribble with every single step. Now, it's important that I say, again, this is nuance. It's the ability. That doesn't mean you do dribble with every single step all the time. It means you have the ability to dribble with every single step. So that's the first thing that just heads explode because they think people think I'm saying you have to dribble with every single step all the time. What I'm saying is you have the ability to do this. Okay, so so let's be crystal clear about that. And now let's talk about how, when you're working with your ch child, how um, um, making sure that they dribble with every single step, how why that's important and how that becomes important. So now let's go through the couple of examples I gave, but through the lens of being able to dribble with every single step. Okay, so the first example, you have 10 kids out there, they're playing this red light, green light, whatever, and they're dribbling, and I got to communicate to them that I want to keep the ball, I want them to keep the ball close. And this is important for the parent trainers who have really young children, right? And one of the reasons it's important is because when they're first learning how to dribble, they use their toes or they use weird parts of their feet, and you got to try to get them to use their laces and step a certain way, right? So... Instead of me telling all the kids, you got to touch the ball, keep the ball close, which means nothing to them or means something different to each one. I simply tell them, you must touch the ball with every single step. Now, immediately, first of all, their mind changes because now they have a very clear direction on what they need to do. And we all know what success looks like in this regard. You, when you start doing this with your child, you're going to instantly see that their little minds start now calculating what that actually means. And they start incorporating that into how they dribble. So it becomes extremely hard to kick the ball with your toes. You don't even have to tell them anything because you, it's hard to kick the ball with your toe and dribble with every single step. So that's the first thing. Now, once you've established that, um, that they have to touch the ball at every step. Now you start introducing speed and all the other stuff. But remember, you don't even have to talk about light touches per se because they can't kick the ball but so far. And the next thing is, and, you know, I'm going to throw a stat out there just to make the point. I don't know. It's not scientific. But even within a game situation or most situations in soccer it's rare that you're like completely by yourself 
where you lose a lot of ability or speed or whatever you're looking for if you're touching the ball with every single step. So there are actually only rare occasions where you need to really kick the ball that far without touching it with every single step. But when you do that, and this is another hangup that coaches get, it's intentional. It's not because you can't, because you don't know how to dribble the ball with every single step, or you don't have the ability to dribble the ball with every single step. You're choosing not to in that particular case. All right, so we've established that if I'm talking to a group of kids, boom, now everybody understands what I'm looking for, and I can measure quickly and see who has this ability um, uh, very quickly. But if I'm talking to my own child, it also becomes important because that's a way to communicate to them to keep the ball close in a way that's measurable and it's very clear that, that they understand and I understand. Okay, now we want to go to the consistency part. Again, I, and I have a video that I'll share on the Facebook group, but let's say I said um, two cones. You know, and I asked my son, who I've mentioned his name a couple times, Adam, to dribble from cone A to cone B. I put them 10 feet apart. And let's assume it takes Adam three touches and a turn to get from A to B and turn back around. And then, so the expectation is, if he's dribbling with every single step, the expectation is three touches, one, two, three, and turn. When he comes back, it should also be three touches in a turn, one, two, three, and turn. It should not be five touches one way and three touches the other way or two touches this way and one. And here's the thing. If you're watching them, um, if you're watching them daily do these rudimentary ball mastery drills, you're going to know how many touches it takes to go certain distances. So then the question now just becomes, can you how can, can you execute this drill using the same amount of touches faster and faster and with more accuracy so now we go back to the shirt manufacturer I, you know when the shirt manufacturer tells me when she says yes i can produce these t-shirts and i can get them and i can get you a thousand t-shirts um on on the day that you deliver which in this case in this analogy is the speed my question to the manufacturer is going to be, but can you produce those T-shirts with the, in the time frame that I gave you and all of them be of same um, specs and same quality? Because each T-shirt has to be the same. And in this analogy, the T-shirt is the consistent, I mean, sorry, the touch is the consistency. So what I'm asking my son to do is, yeah, it's one thing to be able to do a figure eight drill, but can you do that figure eight drill with the same consistency of touch while getting faster and faster and faster? And let me break this down to you so that we really crystal clear, but it may be hard for you, the pitcher. And again, this is some nuanced stuff. I know if he's doing a figure eight dribbling drill, I know how many touches it takes him to get around. It takes him exactly 10 touches to get around. So now the question is, is almost like a sewing machine. How fast can you execute these 10 touches um, and get right back to where you were and do it consistently? So now, now that leads us into how we're really defining ball mastery. 
in the way I tend to define ball mastery is, can you execute the same drill over and over with the same consistency at a maximum speed for your age while also being able to stop on a dime because the ball is really near and change direction quickly. Only then do I know that you have true ball mastery. What you tend to see at your typical practice is, yes, they can execute a drill quickly, but they can't execute it consistently. And when the pressure is on for them to increase speed, what do they do? They drop quality. They drop consistency. And in soccer terms, the quality and consistency is the weight and the distance of that touch. So, for example, if I told Adam you have five seconds to get down and back and I did not have this rule that you have to touch the ball with every single step, if it normally takes him three touches, what is he going to do? He's going to do two touches in a turn. Because by doing two touches in a turn, that allows him to kick the ball a little bit further and run faster. But that's not the per that's not ball mastery. Ball mastery is how fast can you get that drill done and use the same consistent amount of touches. Now, if you were trying to get there as quickly as you can, so you use two touches in a turn or whatever you're doing, that is fine. And we actually do those types of drills if that is if it's intentional. So a, a typical a drill might be, you know, the defender is coming towards me. I kick the ball further and then I run down the pitch and, and get it or I run and I sprint and get it. This is a very common drill or in an unopposed environment, you may kick the ball around a cone and circle back and get it and finish. But I can't emphasize this enough. When my boys do that, it's intentional. It's not because they, they don't know any other way. And when the heat is on, when the pressure um, gets on them, they can move about 90% of their regular speed, dribbling speed, while still touching the ball with every single step. Now, a couple other tips or notes about this. This is not intuitive. I can't even get coaches to appreciate it. So it's kids is even harder. It's not intuitive. You have to stay on them and you have to enforce it. But if you do, it becomes such second nature over time that they don't even it's uncomfortable for them to dribble and not dribble with every single step, but you have to stay on them. Now, I'm going to conclude with another analogy that I share with parents um, that will hopefully, uh, and I want you to do it with your child that can hopefully help them sort of grasp what we're talking about. So here's how it works. You, you get your child and you guys can be in the living room and the pitch, it doesn't matter. And you ask them to put their hand on your shoulder and close their eyes. And then you slowly walk around the living room or the training pitch in a, you know, in different directions, slowly. And their eyes are closed. It should be no problems for them to, to stay with you. This is obvious. Their hand is on your shoulder and you're walking around. Okay. Now you want them to do 
the exact same thing, but their eyes are closed. They're going to have to follow you while you're walking around in a zigzag. But this time you're going to ask them to tap your shoulder with your hand as fast as they can. So it should be as fast as they can. And and you're going to see, and they should see, they still have no problem staying with you because their hand is touching you as fast, touching your shoulder as fast as they can. Okay. Now in the final um, scenario, and this is the grand finale. Sorry about that. I want you to ask them to tap your shoulder, but tap it every three seconds. Tap. And then, now their eyes are still closed, right? And tap, and they have to follow you. And you're walking in a zigzag. What you will see and what they will see quickly is when they do that every two or three seconds, they cannot stay with you. They will get lost. Well, in this in this analogy, you, as the parent trainer, you're the ball, Right? And their hand is their foot. And and so that brings me to the final conclusion. From a technical perspective, when I see children lose the ball, mainly the number one reason why from a technical perspective, not mental where they don't understand, they don't have vision or they don't see where, you know, where the open pass is and there's three guys around them or something like that. But from purely from a technical skill based reason, if I could, you know, if I had video and I could show skill based reason, 99% of the time a youth soccer player that I see loses the ball, especially at those younger ages, is because they do not have or they do not possess the ability to dribble the ball or keep the ball with every single step they don't have the ability to do that so i challenge you because again this is really nuanced stuff the next time if we're when we're out of this COVID, i really challenge you to watch the practices and watch the footwork of the kids watch the kids who are um the most competent on the ball and watch the ones who are struggling and you're gonna see there's a relationship between the amount of times a kid touches the ball and how in terms of their dribbling and how competent and how good they are on the ball. But what you're going to notice is very rarely will they all be will they be consistent. So, again, you'll, you, it's going to be very rare that, you know, kid A does the drill and it takes 10 steps the first time. And then the next time it does 10 steps, that's going to be rare. But at least you're going to see the ones who can touch the ball the most um, while doing the drill are the ones who have the most control over the ball. Okay, so I said a lot there, and I hope you were able to follow me. But if it doesn't resonate with you, I really encourage you to go to the Facebook group, Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group, and I'm going to post some videos that um, will help um, show or demonstrate what I'm talking about. And I also have a YouTube, a video I posted on YouTube that I'm also going to share on the group that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. So in conclusion, though, let's go over a couple of common misconceptions that I have heard along the way and common, I guess you say, uh, FAQs that I want to address in this podcast. So one common misconception is, um, you know, people say, oh, my child is too young. 
I actually argue the younger they are, the better, right? And the reason that it works so well with young children is in many cases, they haven't, they haven't been doing or developed this bad habit of not dribbling with every single step for a long time. So it's easier to introduce this concept. But here's the thing, and this is important for parent trainers. You got to do, it's best to deliver this stuff very, very slowly. In other words, your child has their entire life to master these skills. So don't, they don't need to get it right, you know, on day one. So what I've done with my youngest ones, or sorry, both of my children when they were really young, the first thing they did before we did anything else is establish the ability to walk around the house or walk around the training pitch while touching the ball with every single step. We did that. We began every training session for weeks just walking as a matter of fact, I do that to this day with my rec teams. I don't care if they're U20 or U5. We're going to walk around the pitch becoming one with the ball, touching it with every single step. Because I think that's one of the biggest issues we have in rec soccer is they, they skip that step and they go straight to dribbling with speed and the ball goes all over the place. Which brings me to my next a misconception. Oh, my child is too good or are they too experienced for this? No, 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 no. I've trained so-called um, top academy kids and I've trained rec kids. And I'm a recreational coach. And if they haven't learned this um, particular skill and this way of thinking, the ability to dribble with every single step, if they haven't internalized that, you see the lack of precision when comparing them to a child who has, and actually there are very few of them, is mainly my children. And it's not something that's, it's, again, it's very, very nuanced, very subtle. So two children can execute a drill and they'll both look like they've done it great. But the devil is really in those details. So no matter how so-called experienced they are, they should be able to execute a drill exactly the same every single time being able to dribble with every single step. I'm going through these pretty quickly because I, I want you guys to really enjoy this show. I don't want to lecture you too long, but this is just so important. It really helped my boys. So I'm going to try to get as much of this stuff as I can covered, but I encourage you to go to the Facebook group if you have questions. Dribbling, another misconception I have is, or I hear all the time is, the ability to dribble with every single step is the same as dribbling and they're not the same the ability to dribble with every single step is the measurement if you will we go back to my management accounting that's the measurement that's how i know if you're able if you have ball mastery that's a component of ball mastery the reality however is in most game scenarios and practice scenarios you should be dribbling with every single step because there's going to be a defender around you. And what I know to be 100% the reality is when you do not dribble with every single step, it should be intentional. It should not be because you don't know. But it's not the same as quote-unquote dribbling. The ability to dribble with every single step, as a matter of fact, is a almost like an independent skill. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. It kind of is a skill that goes into first touch. So if a if a player receives the ball, and, and you got to really visualize what I'm saying. 
a player receives a ball um, and is going to make a pass. Oftentimes, you'll see on their first touch, the, the ball will go one or two feet away from them. And then they'll take one or two little baby steps and then pass the ball. To me, again, that's wasted steps and they don't have, they're not exhibiting the ability to dribble with every single step. So sometimes I'll say touch the ball with every single step because I think dribbling may confuse people. But what I want you guys as a parent trainer to do is when you look at your child do the passing drills, for example, you really watch their feet and say, are they taking these extraneous steps that are unnecessary because their first touch is not precise? So you receive that ball. You should not have to take another step Per se, and that's a huge per se. You should not have to take another step unless you are intentionally doing it to make that pass. You you should be able to have your foot on the ball with every single step. Another very common misconception that I hear is people mistake the ability to dribble with every single step, which is a technical skill. They mistake that with stuff like decision-making and creativity when it comes to dribbling. Again, the ability to dribble with every single step is just a, it's just a technical skill, no different than saying you should be able to walk before you run. That doesn't mean that during a race you actually run, but it means that everybody you see running has mastered the ability to walk. But in youth soccer, you see a lot of kids who are, in this analogy, running, but they have not mastered the ability to walk. And, you know, and I can understand the pressure on coaches because if parents are watching the training and they see the coach stop everybody and force everybody to walk for 45 minutes and you're supposed to be doing, say, track in this case, you're going to have some people saying, wait a minute, this is too basic. Now, in my clinic, I'd, I'd let people know straight up that it's all about the basics. But in many um, environments, and I kind of understand this, so again, I'm not blaming a coach. It's the other way around. They have to show that they're doing advanced stuff, even though the kids, in this example, have not mastered the ability to even walk with the ball. Another extremely common uh, misconception I get all the time is, oh, well, my kid is excellent on the ball, and and, you know, all my players are excellent on the ball, and I've never really taught them to dribble with every single step. Well, again, we go back to either the manufacturing example or we go back to just soccer examples or any example, right? We're talking about a high level of of mastery, right? So I'm doing this podcast, and I'm not an English major, right? Uh, you obviously can tell. Um, and I have not mastered the English language in a way that, say a poet has, but I can get by. Well, that's kind of how it is in, in soccer or any of these skill-based sports. You're able to get by, but if you see, if you compare a child who understands and has mastered the ability to dribble with every single step to some to a child or player who has not, then you will see the difference and it will be profound, but you have to see them lined up side by side. It's absolutely amazing. And you'll see children who can dribble really fast and do a lot of fast stuff. And that's and that's good. And as a matter of fact, you can even argue they can still be great players because this is just a technical skill, which I consider to be the most important. 
But, you know, soccer is a tapestry of skills. But at the end of the day, if that's if you give me that same player and I and I train them to touch the ball with every step, I'm saying their touch will be even better than what you're seeing. Another common misconception is, well, dribbling or the ability to dribble with every step or dribbling with every step will slow my player down. Again, we're not really talking about dribbling. We're talking about the technical skill of being able to touch the ball with every single step. And so in a training environment, the question again is not how fast you can do it, because if that's all you need to do, going back to the T-shirt analogy, you're just going to pump out a bunch of inconsistent T-shirts. They probably can do 2,000 T-shirts if, if, if they don't have to follow strict specifications. The question in ball mastery is how fast can you do it while also maintaining the same level of consistency throughout you know, each and every time you do it? And then how fast can you do it while you're also able to stop on a dime and while you're also able to change directions quickly. So, yes, you can go faster if you don't touch the ball with every single step, but you're not demonstrating ball mastery, which is what we're looking for in most training environments. And I touched on um, passing and, you know, and some people don't think that dribbling or everything step has anything to do with passing. But what we're really getting in is, getting into is that touch can can you touch the ball with every single step and something that again going into the area of really really details when you're looking at your child or you're looking at other children look carefully and see if they make all these unnecessary baby steps in preparation to touching the ball so the let's say they're dribbling in a and they change in direction. They take all these little baby steps in order to change direction. Those are unnecessary. Or they receive the ball and then they take three or four little baby steps before they make the pass. Those are unnecessary. They're not, in, they're not intrinsically wrong if this is intentional. But in most cases in a youth soccer training environment, they're not intentional. So again, the most one of the most important skills in youth soccer is the ability to dribble with every single step in conclusion it's important because it it allows you as the parent trainer to communicate a measurable metric to your child in terms of ball control it's also an a very important component of ball mastery which ball mastery effectively says not only are you able to execute the drill quickly um, but you're able to execute the drill quickly and consistently and how do we know you're executing it consistently because you're using the same amount of touches every time that's true ball mastery and then on top of that and once you can do that right and you're executing it at speed and you're using your touches judicially you need to be able to stop immediately stop on a dime then in addition to that you need to be able to change direction and then you need to be able to stop on a dime based on visual cues as well as you know hearing so all of those components make up ball mastery and they begin with the ability to dribble with every single step. But I got to be honest with you, I'm just summarizing. Ooh, I rarely see it taught and almost never see it enforced in a typical team training environment. So this is, again, one of those things that the parent trainer, I highly recommend, steps in and enforces it so that your child gets the most out of the team training and, and group training environments when they're with 
someone else. I hope that you found this tip helpful. I know it's probably very difficult um, to follow. I wanted to get it out there um, for public consumption, and I'm going to follow up with other resources that I hope will help people get their heads around it. And again, I love critical feedback. Tell me I'm an idiot or positive feedback or any feedback. So if you have a tip in this vein that you want to share or you want to tell me where I'm missing something, please go to the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group and share your thoughts. I, we, I love to discuss it with you. And if you have not joined the mailing list where you can get more tips as well as free ball mastery and juggling videos, please go to www.anytime-soccer.com. This is Neil Crawford, the Soccer Dad. Let's get better together.